It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Chris Manning here from Locked On Cavs. Coming up on today's show, I'm joined by the great Ricky O'Donnell from the Cash Considerations Podcast and of most notably probably known from SB Nation, talking about Anthony Edwards and all of his pros and cons as an NBA draft prospect. That's all coming up today on Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Cleveland Cavaliers select Darius Garland from Vanderbilt University. How are you, man? How are you doing? Um, as as like me, you follow and, and cover a team that is not in the bubble, so we're watching, you know, WNBA. We're watching the other teams coming back. But how are you doing as we get some basketball back in our lives here? Yeah, I guess selfishly, um, happy basketball's back. I guess uh, I still think that there's a lot of potential for this to be an absolute disaster, and all yep. the sports leagues are just kind of crossing their fingers super hard, hoping and praying that everything works out. I hope it does because uh, the world has been so garbage over the last few months that it would be nice to, uh, you know, have a more positive thing to put our energy into. As someone who covers the Bulls, I do a Bulls podcast called Cash Considerations. Uh, I can't imagine, like, how much of a challenge it's going to be to continue doing the podcast every week for a team that's not going to play for, like, six or seven months. But or even longer than that, I guess. But, you know, there's a bigger problem. So I've been good. Uh, I hope the Bulls fire Jim Boylan. And I think that the fact <laughs> that they haven't fired Jim Boylan is about the most offensive bullshit they've ever pulled. Would you want a second bubble? Because I think it's, I think they're going to try. If Orlando, if Orlando goes and, like, there aren't, like, seven Lou Williams cases, I, I think we're going to get a, a bubble. And that would actually be in your backyard if, if – the yeah. initial plan is there. No, I don't want it. Cause I just wonder like, who does it benefit? Like, I think the only people pushing for it are probably the owners because they could recoup some TV money. I would think is likely uh, the thing that's pushing it because, you know, a lot of these scrimmages in the actual bubble have been on TV. So I think like anything to like fulfill some of the TV contracts, get some money, but I wonder like who else benefits from it. I think the young guys, 
like for the Bulls, I don't really see how this benefits many of their guys. Like maybe you can make an argument for Kobe White, but yeah. I don't think Zach Levine's playing in the loser bubble. I don't really see why Lowry Markkinen would want to do that because he's going into extension talks into his fourth year. Even Wendell Carter's like too established, heading into his third year for the loser bubble. Plus, it gives the Bulls another excuse to like keep Jim Boylan and what uh, they keep saying is they want to continue to evaluate Jim Boylan as if the last season and a half was not enough to evaluate him on. So uh, I, it doesn't really make much sense to me in part because it's before the draft and free agency. Yeah. So like to me, this season is over for the Bulls and for the Cavs and for these other teams who suck. Uh, but it seems like, at least from everything you're hearing out of Bulls leadership, I don't know, you know, what you're hearing from the Cavs, but like they're not ready to like give up on this season, uh, just so like they can continue to evaluate their guys. And of course, the Bulls overhauled their front office uh, this summer, like during the pandemic, at the start of the pandemic. So, to me, I don't want the the second bubble. I think it's a bad idea. I think it only serves the owners. And especially having it before the draft and before free agency, it just really doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think the the logistics of doing it, I looked at the calendar of like trying to do it after the draft date, and it's just not, I don't think it's feasible with the turnaround time. Um, if you're going to start the season in December, like they're planning on having to do training camp and stuff again. If I'm... Like, Dean Wade was recently told The Athletic, like, he wants to go. I know there's a bunch of other Cavs guys that are kind of competing for minutes or want to get their, like, legs under them. Like, I know Dylan Windler's camp is injured, would, like, like him to play, and he would like to play just because, like, he didn't get to play last year. And there's guys like that that want to play. Colin Sexton's also, like, a psychopath, so he definitely wants to play. Um, But it was even interesting, like, at the beginning of this, Kevin Love, who has, like, no incentive to play in this, was like, I can't go eight months without playing any, like, real basketball. So I wonder if you would get, like, Kevin Love, Andre Drummond cameos, even if it's for, like, a game or two. And I don't know. But I, I think they're going to try, which is which will be weird. But what we're really here to talk about is is the draft, something that pertains very well to the Cavs and the Bulls. And we're going to talk specifically about Anthony Edwards. Ricky, is where is Anthony on your board? I started him out at one. Okay. I think now he's probably two or three. And I've been going back and forth on it. Uh, I'll be honest, like, this class hasn't been as interesting to me as previous classes. Now, just because there aren't, like, obvious talents at the top, that doesn't mean it isn't an interesting draft. In some ways, it could make it more interesting because I think there's more volatility. Uh, But I think, like, Edwards is sort of emblematic of a lot of the best players in this draft class in that he has sort of this pedigree coming into it. He has obvious physical tools. His flashes are really intriguing, but then there's just so many holes in his game where, uh, I mean, we can continue going over it, but just in terms of the shot selection uh, and sort of like the consistent defensive intensity. And I think it's really like he, him as a player is really emblematic of the entire class where it's just leaves you wanting more. Uh, with that being said, I think that Edward's physical tools in relation to the rest of the top players in this draft class are still strong enough for me to put him two or three. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's going to have a chance to have a very good NBA career, but it could be uh, very situationally dependent. If he ends up with a bad team that lets him slip into his worst habits, I don't think that's going to be very good for his long-term outlook. He really needs some structure to excel. Uh, 
Uh, and I don't know if that's going to be in Cleveland or anywhere else, but I do think he is one of the top talents in the draft, despite all of his shortcomings. Yeah, when you when I you you pay attention to college basketball and, and this much more than I do, but when I did the the YouTube deep dive and started reading about him and trying to understand him, like he pops, like he's six five, two hundred twenty five. He looks just like a physical freak. The 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 wingspan is really interesting. Like there is like so some clear kind of potential there. His ability to do some of the the one on one kind of cross back, the crossover, like kind of those kind of one on one moves are in his bag already, and that's kind of interesting for a guy who's kind of young as as him. The but it just seems like that is kind of what he is, and then there's just the blueprint for him is there, but it's just sort of unclear like what actually comes out. Like, is he just kind of a volume scorer? Is I mean, literally in our notes, like. I I I was gonna ask you bluntly like is he too Deion Waiters? like is that a, is that a thing where that could be a bad outcome for him like is the passing there there's just like a lot of unknowns and I don't know how much of those you can also just attribute to like college basketball is weird he could have been in a situation like Ben Simmons at LSU is like a really weird situation like was that like the case for him at Georgia or is this just what he is um, it, it, he's just a really hard guy for me kind of jumping in here, trying to do my deep dives on a bunch of different guys. He's kind of the one, the guys that I have a really hard time, like understanding, like I, I watched Devin Vassell and read about him and I'm like, okay, I, I get how he fits pretty cleanly in a lot of situations. The Anthony Edwards thing, I, I don't really know. Yeah. Well, it's like Vassell is probably going to have like a lower or definitely I would think would have like a lower usage rate than Edwards, yes. right? Like Edwards is more ball dominant. But the problem is that Edwards is not a consistently good decision maker in half court opportunities. And so that is sort of the thing that holds him back because you have this guy who is, you know, absolutely elite athleticism, who's super young for his class, uh, should have been someone who is just entering college next year. He was a guy who reclassified uh, from 2021 or from, I guess, 2019. 20 to 2019 in terms of his high school class. Uh, so he's one of the youngest American-born prospects in this class. Uh, he shows obvious flashes as a shot maker. You know, he's not just a freak athlete. He can also hit jump shots off the dribble and really difficult jump shots. And I think that, you know, in some ways, the fact that he's able to make bad attempts uh, at not a totally infrequent rate, might sort of contribute to some of his poor decision-making because, you know, he's seen himself hit off-balance, deep jump shots late in the shot clock enough times to believe he can keep doing it. Uh, And, you know, if you want to talk about positives, I think, like, potentially he's really good in transition. I thought he was, you know, he performed well in the synergy stats in terms of transition. Uh, If you just watched him on tape, when Anthony Edwards gets ahead of steam going towards the basket, he's so fast and so strong and really coordinated that he's basically unstoppable. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, of course, you know, he's not going to have the same physical advantages in terms of size, power, explosiveness when he's going up against the best athletes in the world rather than the SEC. But even by NBA standards, Anthony Edwards, I believe, is like an absolutely elite athlete. Uh, to me, his questions come in the half court. And, you know, when you're talking about how to slot him in, you compare him to someone like Vassal, who really fits into like a three and D low usage role. You know, with Edwards, it's like, well, is he is he going to become James Harden or Luka Doncic, like your de facto offensive initiator who you could run the offense through at all times? I really don't see him being that type of guy. I think that you want, you know, definitely early in his career, especially you want someone who's just a better decision maker with the ball in his hands, him playing more of a secondary role as a handler and playmaker and scorer. 
quite frankly. So uh, I think like that's kind of the ideal role for him. I I don't really know if the Cavs are the best fit for him, given how they've used their last two lottery picks, Texan <laughs> yeah. and Garland. But uh, I think some team is going to find a really interesting player here. And, you know, maybe from uh, Cleveland's perspective, and I would say the same thing for my Bulls, at some point, like, these teams just need the best player available, and you can't really be worrying about fit. So I guess there's your case for Anthony Edwards the other way. Yeah, we're going to get into the fit thing um, in a minute here, but I want to tell everyone really quick about today's sponsor. That's my bookie. Say with me now, sports are back. Um, everyone has been waiting for this, and hopefully it continues to continue on a positive track hopefully this baseball thing is in uh, just a little blip in the radar here but now i've only got one thing on my mind too that's my bookie my bookie is a home run slam dunk triple overtime game winning shot all wrapped into one not when they put the runner at second base so that sucks i love it you love it you should all t- all you sh- this should be all you need here in order to start betting today with my bookie it's easy you bet you win and they pay Feeling good about your team's chance this year? Be sure to check out MyBookie World Series Future Bets. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season's even begun. But why stop with baseball? Smart bettors are always looking towards the future, and in this case, that means betting basketball, hockey, and football. They're accepting bets already on your favorite NBA, NHL, and NFL games. There has never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. Join now, and MyBookie will match your first deposit. 100% 100% plus will toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter in promo code locked on NBA when signing up. Remember, at my bookie, the terms are simple you bet, you win, they pay. Use that promo code locked on NBA when signing up. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Okay, Ricky, so I'm looking at the the draft here. And uh, in case you're just, you had a brain fart and break, I'm here with Ricky O'Donnell, um, one of the hosts of the Cash Considerations podcast, has done a lot of great draft work in the past at places like SB Nation. I look at this top of the draft order, um, and look at the teams in the lottery this particular year. There doesn't scream to me like a perfect fit for him. For Edwards? Yeah. I like like the Cavs, as you alluded to, like I think him, Sexton, and Garland, and, and I'm going to put Kevin Porter Jr. in there too, is like a weird thing to figure out. Um, the Wolves, like I don't know, maybe, but they have D'Lo and Cat. Um, you know, there's the case for Atlanta probably with him and Trey. Um, I guess Detroit is like as blank a slate as you're going to get, but you know, I don't know if any of these teams are kind of like exactly what you would probably want for him, which is sort of the, the inherent nature of, you know, teams picking like this in the draft, but I, it doesn't seem like there's like a slam dunk obvious kind of fit for Anthony Edwards here. Yeah. I think that even golden state could be a good place for him just because Mm. they have a strong culture. They have a good coach. 
playing with Steph Curry, that I mean, that's probably the best teammate any player could have, right? Just because he attracts so much attention. In Atlanta was going to be the the other place I named. Anthony Edwards is from Atlanta. Uh, I did a feature with him right before he reclassified, and I talked to him. I talked to his high school coach. Talked to his trainer. Uh, he was really young at the time. Like he still hadn't turned eighteen, I don't think. And I thought it was a really cool down to earth dude to talk to uh i think like him being from atlanta is a big part of his story so i think you know that would be like a hometown kid and i think that they would really embrace him and i think like playing with trey would probably make his life a lot easier and hopefully someone would tell anthony edwards that you know what he would have to do in atlanta is just become the best defensive player he could be and to use all that physical talent on the defensive side of the floor because you know edwards uh, if you watch like his best defensive moments, he looks like a monster defensively. Mm-hmm. He's got the physical tools. The Michigan State game is the game I keep coming back to with Anthony Edwards. I watched that one live. It was at the Maui Invitational. Uh, Michigan State was, you know, preseason one of the best teams in the country. They were the preseason number one. Uh, this was early in the year, maybe like the first or second week of the season, I think. And Edwards just went absolutely bonkers in the second half. I think he scored 30 in the second half alone. He was making some great passes. He was having multiple game-changing plays defensively. And I think that, uh, you know, people like him, like players like him who come up as these, like, top five overall recruits uh, who are McDonald's All-Americans and who are, like, you know, obviously, like, the savior of a program like Georgia that's never had a consistently good basketball team. You get Anthony Edwards. And I think that, like, a lot of these players want to play like Kobe in a sense, where, like, mm-hmm. they want to have the ball in their hands. They want to take the most shots. They want to have the alpha dog mentality. They want to be the primary scoring option. Uh, and, you know, you know, a player like Andrew Wiggins went through something very similar at the start of his career. But I always think that they should model themselves after someone like Kawhi Leonard, who kind of grinded his way up not as a primary offensive option, only took on those responsibilities after he had established himself in other areas of the game. I think Anthony Edwards would be wise to do the same thing. Uh, You know, defensively, he leaves a lot to be desired just in terms of his attentiveness, uh, his consistent effort on the defensive end, you know, in terms of things like getting around screens and on switches. uh, You know, there's a lot to process at the NBA level on the defensive end of the floor. And, if he can leverage those physical gifts and, you know, get locked in mentally on the defensive end, I think that, you know, he has no excuses. He should be a good defensive player just based on his physicality. Uh, at a place like Atlanta, that that would be, to me, where he could really start to uh, make an impact on the team. Another one that kind of jumps out at me is, like, if the Warriors wanted to trade that pick and then, like, the Wizards were like, okay, we'll get, like, I don't know if they would do this, but if they were like, we're just going to get a Bradley Beal replacement, like, that kind of seems like a place you could drop him into and he could be part of that rebuild. But, like, if you're the Cavs or the Bulls, and let's say you pick, you're in a position where, like, maybe you're picking two or three or you're even one, and like you mentioned, you have him, like, you had him at one on your board of points. I know there are boards that I've, that I've seen and read that have him up there. But there's other people that have him like a little lower. But it seems like he's kind of consensus, like to a top four guy, depending on everyone who you would ask. Is are there guys that if you're looking at like is he so far ahead of a certain tier of guys to you in terms of his upside that it's just like okay if you're at four and your other kind of top guys are off the board whether that's Lamelo or Killian Hayes or whomever like you just take him because it's a weird draft and he is that talented or you or like do you look elsewhere? I'd put Killian Hayes in that same tier. 
you know, I think there's a case for Obi Toppin, and that might be someone who could potentially fit the Cavs a little bit more. Obviously, the Cavs have some veteran bigs, but they don't really have a young big. And, you know, using their last two lottery picks on guards, maybe someone like Okongwu could just, like, help those guards become the best versions of themselves just by being a low-usage offensive big who can have their back defensively, do a lot of the little things. I think it's a good question. Like, to me, there's definitely a caliber of prospect where I'm going to take Anthony Edwards over someone who's a better fit. Uh, I know there's kind of been a, you know, uh, a rethinking of Denny's stock uh, because he played really well for, you know, in Israel uh, after that league came back. But I would still have Edwards above him. I'd probably have Edwards for sure above someone like Tyrese Halliburton, Isaac Okoro, Cole Anthony. I would take him over Vassal or Vassell just because the ceiling's so much higher. But you can see that one coming back to haunt you too because Vassell is someone who fits into the framework of the NBA game a little more cleanly. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's a long way of answering your question. I do think that Edwards' upside uh, warrants him being a for sure top three, top four pick. And if you're not chasing upside, what are you doing, really, in NBA team building, especially when you are going to be picking that high in the lottery? Uh, So I I do believe that his upside warrants uh, a top three, top four selection for sure. Are you also the, the mind that I've I've seen this a lot of places that this is just a weird draft? Like there isn't like a clear cut number one obvious guy that this is just kind of one of those drafts where it's a little eye of the beholder with certain guys. Yeah, I think it's definitely an eye of the beholder. Like you know, Killian Hayes is someone who everyone on the internet who's like an armchair scout really likes. But I think if you talk to like actual NBA scouts, they have a lot of questions about his sort of explosiveness towards the basket is general athleticism is shooting. So I would say like, that's an example of a player where the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Cause I think like maybe uh, armchair scouts are more into him than actual NBA scouts. I think Obi Toppin is definitely a player where beauty's in the eye of a beholder. Cause he could be like potentially really special offensively, but defensively not very good. I think that, you know, when you got a big man, you, you wonder with him, like, is he a five? Is he a four? uh defensively so yes i do think this is a beauty in the eye of the beholder draft that goes for anthony edwards and a lot of the other top prospects in this class all right we're gonna take one little last little break here come back and talk about uh, the rest of the, the some a little more anthony edwards and his fit in this draft right after this this is jake from locked on locked on has teamed up with state farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in nba history After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
All right, Ricky. So if you, if I'm I'm gonna put you, I'm gonna make you Kobe Altman. You're I fired Kobe Altman because I'm Dan Gilbert and I'm extremely rich and I can pay a lot of people all at once. You're my new general manager. The Cavs have won the lottery. Who's your pick? Oh man, what a question. Well, the first thing I would try to do is trade down. Oh, see other assets you can get. Yeah, I mean, I think that trade down is the smart thing for any team, really, and especially if you're at number one. You know, if someone loves Lamelo, God forbid, someone loves James Wiseman. Uh, you trade down if you could pick up a twenty-one pick or a twenty twenty-two pick. I think both those classes are going to be stronger than this class. So if I'm the GM of the Cavs, I'm thinking, well, we're not going to be very good next year anyway. So let's try to get all the assets we can. Trade down is my first option. Assuming the trade down is off the table, though, I would probably take LaMelo just because Mm -hmm. I think he has the highest upside. I think he's the best player in the class. And I wouldn't feel beholden to the previous regime's picks if I'm coming in and I'm the new GM, right? So, like, obviously, I think LaMelo is not a clean fit on the Cavs because of Garland and Sexton. But... I'm looking at it like, well, LaMelo is six foot seven. I think he's got a frame where he can put on a lot of weight via muscle. If that happens, like maybe he's got some positional versatility. Uh, You know, maybe I'm moving one of Garland or Sexton, and I'm just going to try to get the best player in this class, which I think is LaMelo. So that's what I would take. I agree with that because at the very least with LaMelo, he's a little bigger than the other guys, like Sexton, 6'1", um, and Garland is is kind of smaller as well. At least he in his rookie year in particular, I think the physicality of the game and the, the NBA level really impacted him. Lamelo was a, like has that same kind of thin frame, but he's at least six six. So like at least like the size in theory, like you can maybe in time see him defend bigger guys. Um, Ricky, well, this is where I'm at with this draft. If I'm the Cavs, there's part of me that really would like obviously you want to control the draft wherever you can. Um, but if I'm them, I almost would rather pick like in the five to six range and like be able to take Denny Deja or take Devin Vassell or something, take a guy that kind of maybe doesn't pop quite as much, but at least you kind of know what you're getting in theory and like kind of can fill a need. Like I think Vassell would fill like a pretty clear need that the Cavs have because they're like an absolute wreck defensively. And then like try to win the Cade Cunningham lottery a year from now. Um, that, that isn't, to me, like a slight on Anthony Edwards because I think he could, as you, we've talked about, he could be really, really good. It's just something about that and something about this draft just gives me, like, 2013 vibes. That could just be Anthony Bennett, like, the ghost of Anthony Bennett just in my head. But, like, I, there's part of me that wonders, like, if you just end up at five and the choices are made for you, I wonder if that's, like, a cleaner way to get out of this draft without doing something really stupid. Yeah. I mean, you sold me on it, me hearing that plan. Like, yeah, I mean, just get like a 3 and D wing. You look at what Michael Bridges has been doing in the Watching bubble. him lock up Jason Tatum. Like, I like Colin Sexton, but watching him lock up Tatum was just like, oh, my God, amazing. Yeah, so, like, why not, right? Like, if Vassell could actually be a really good defensive wing. Like, I feel like the swing in that is just, like, how good you're going to be defensively. Right. Like Bridges potentially could be like maybe one day an all NBA level defender. And like, that's really what you need. If you're going to take someone who's kind of in a lower usage uh, offensive archetype. So, yeah, I mean, you know, if you want to convince me that you'd rather just get a guy who you think could play a role, be good in that role. And you're going to try to get him again next year. I could, I could totally go for that plan. And uh, that, you know, the Cavs, I think definitely need wings and, if I'm Cleveland too, I, I would look into Kongwu. I think that, you know, just having a big who can do a lot of little things and fortify the defense a little bit on the back line would also be good for him. 
if the Cavs had just not done the Andre Drummond trade, I almost think these decisions would be easier for them. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, do you see like what's Drummond's status long term? He's opting in, which is its own thing. But I don't. It doesn't seem like they're like locked into each other in terms of like doing extension. But I know they've talked about it. But I, I, I we were talking. We did a little James Wiseman thing that people will hear tomorrow. And if they like him or if they like Onkungu, I would almost like try to just trade Drummond right away and then just resign Tristan Thompson. Like that just seems like a clean, like even if it's for one year, Tristan is a much better locker room guy, a much better kind of leadership guy. Um, that's just not Dre's thing. That's not like shade on him. It's just not, Tristan has just proven he's going to do that the last couple of years. Um, and if those are your guys, like then just get Drummond out of the way. Like I know you didn't, they didn't give up anything real for him, you know, like it's John Henson and Brandon that takes fire in contracts, but now it's just it's just like if he's there, it's just like a kind of clogs him up a little more, and like the discontent factor with him feels kind of real because if he gets his minute cut for like some nineteen year old who he is will be better than next year, there's just like some you're creating unnecessary drama in a in a franchise that obviously had a ton of drama last year. Yeah, no doubt. Do you have a favorite guy for the Bulls as we wrap up here? You know, it's tough. I mean, I would love LaMelo just because I think what the Bulls need is really just like, you could say the same thing for the Cavs probably, but just like an offensive initiator, someone mm-hmm. who's like really good in the half court uh, in who you can run your whole offense through. The Bulls had that player a few years ago by the name of Jimmy Butler. They decided to trade him. They've been <laughs> one of the worst teams in the NBA ever since. So LaMelo to me is the guy who probably has the highest chance at being that type of player. I certainly think it's a risky pick. I don't think LaMelo is like, any sort of stone cold lock to be a very good NBA player, but I think he has the ceiling to do it. And that's sort of what you need to base everything off of. And, you know, if not him, I would like uh, Killian Hayes as well. I'm buying Killian Hayes. I like the size. I like the touch. Uh, I think he's already really good in the pick and roll and the NBA is such a pick and roll heavy game. So uh, those are two guys I'd like for Chicago. Uh, and then true or false, is Jim Bullen the head coach of the Chicago Bulls whenever the Chicago Bulls play a basketball game again? I'm going to say yes. The Bulls are pathetic. Uh, it's like, it really, there's no way you could defend keeping Boylan on there's merit. There's not. There's not. Not on merit, but the Bulls don't care about merit. They care that he's cheap. They care that the owners love him. They care that he kisses their ass 24-7. So the Bulls are sitting here just like all these other teams saying, oh, we're losing money and we don't have any money. Meanwhile, the Bulls have made a killing financially because of Michael Jordan for the last 20 years. Even when they're not spending it, they've gone in the luxury tax once. So I never want to hear the Reinsdorf's, the Bulls owners crying poor, uh, but they do. And they love to do it. And so I think that Jim Boylan probably will be around because Jerry Reinsdorf and Michael Reinsdorf love him because they won't want to pay multiple coaches. And uh, yeah because the Bulls are kind of an incompetent franchise anyway, so it fits with the theme. Just, Ricky, as we get out here, just give everyone a plug about what you have, kind of where they can find you and, and where they can read your stuff or hear you talk right now. Cool. I'm uh, on Twitter at SBN underscore Ricky. I've got a newsletter where I've been doing a project where I, uh, I started this while I was at SB Nation. I got furloughed for three months on May 1st. But uh, one of the things I was doing after the pandemic hit uh, and I had a job where I was a sports writer every single day was I started playing an old video game. I had College Hoops 2K8. It's the last College Hoops game made by 2K Sports. Uh, It's on an Xbox 360. It has Greg Oden on the cover. It came out a long time ago. It has Steph Curry on Davidson and Derrick Rose on Memphis in the actual game. 
but my idea was just that I was going to take the worst team in the game, not play any of the actual games, just do the recruiting and simulate everything. And I'm on year 18 of that project now. You can find spoiler-free links on my newsletter to the entire series. And we stream games on Twitch. Uh, you know, there's been a really awesome community that's come around it. I do newsletters uh, after you know every tournament round and for the regular season. And it's been a really fun thing. Uh, someone's made a subreddit page for it. Someone started an Instagram account for it. Uh, some guy in Japan who's a reader wrote a novel based around the characters. In the oh book. my goodness. So it's been one of the strangest things of my career, but it's been really fun. I, you get 40 years in the game and I'm on year 18 right now, so I kind of want to finish it out. I think that would be fun. So yeah, subscribe to the newsletter if that doesn't sound like the nerdiest and lamest thing in the world to you. And in a time when there wasn't much sports, I just kind of created my own thing. And uh, it's been cool that people have embraced it. Yeah, who knew the Western Illinois Extended Universe would, would be upon us in the year 2020. Thanks, COVID. But, Ricky, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on and talking about it. Anthony Edwards and all things NBA Draft. Thanks, man. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.